Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we're helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all, or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can go to mynsc.org happenings. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout the week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Uh, I wasn't even going to have sermon notes today because we were gone all week, and then yesterday I just thought, no, I got to do this for you. I got I to gotta put some things in your hand and let you, let you follow along. And uh, so I came in yesterday and just... It just cranked out a few, uh, a few things on paper, but I left some space for you to write. And that's for a reason. I'll get to it in just a, a little while. But we are going to tackle Galatians chapter 5. Uh, Galatians 5 really has two different very important parts to it. So today is going to be like part one of Galatians 5. Next week will be part two of Galatians 5. I, I had to take Galatians 5 and, and divide it into two different weeks uh, or else I would have been talking up here for, for the next hour and a half, and I don't want to do that to you. I don't want to put you through that, all right? So Galatians 5, this is going to be the first part of, of it, and it starts like this in, in Galatians 5, verse 1. It says, so Christ has truly set us free. Can I get an amen to that? Somebody, he truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. Make sure that you stay free, and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Like, nobody likes to live in slavery. He says, listen, don't live life like that. Live your life the way that, that, that it's meant to be lived, and that's in freedom. Verse 2, listen, I, Paul, tell you this, that if you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. So if you're thinking that, the, that your works or what you do to earn God's grace is going to work, it doesn't. Verse 3, I'll say it again. Paul says, if you are trying to find favor with God, you might want to highlight that word, to find favor with God by being, being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. So if you give in to one law, you have to give in to all of the laws, is what he's saying. For if you are trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have actually been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. And so we find here that, that, that there's the Judaizers are coming into the churches in Galatia and they're saying, hey, we, listen, we believe in Christ too, but we can even have a better relationship, not just based upon faith in Christ and in Christ alone, but, but once we incorporate works into it, like our obedience to the law, then we're gonna really fall into God's favor, okay? That's what they're trying to do, fall into God's favor. So I want you to picture this, that if God's favor is, is up here, they're, they're thinking, well, if I do this and that and the other, if I start embracing rules and regulations, then that's gonna put me in favor with God. So I'm actually going to grow closer to God through what I do. I'm going to go closer to God through what I do. And Paul says, actually, if you add anything to the gospel outside of being saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, you are not only not getting closer to God, but you're actually falling away from God's grace. It's doing the exact opposite of what you're trying to do. You're trying to earn favor with God. And Paul is saying it's doing the exact opposite. You're not finding favor. You're falling away. So if I were to ask anybody in this room, how many of you want to fall away from God? 
nobody would raise their hands. Like nobody would, nobody, not, not one of us in this room uh, wants to fall away from God. In fact, all of us would love to be in favor with God. Like we want God's favor upon our life, right? And he says, you think that, it's, that you're obtaining favor by adding things that just don't need to be added. And God never, God never wanted you to add them. In fact, he wants you to be free. So why are you trying to become a slave again? And actually, we see that in the Bible. Remember, the, the, the Israelites, they were in captivity in the book of Exodus. They're in captivity. And God says, listen, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to take you out of there. And so then they come out, they're out of captivity, they're out of slavery after being in it for a long, long, long time. And they come, they're free, and all of a sudden, what do they, what do they start doing? Well, you know what, maybe, maybe we should go back because it wasn't so bad after all, right? And, and you just think, who would ever want to go back to slavery? And when you try to add your works to the gospel of grace, what you're doing is you're not you're not finding God's favor, you're actually falling away from it. When you try to add anything to salvation outside of being saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So, so let, me, let me say it this way. You're, let's say that you're one hour away from death. And, I, and I've been in the room uh, dozens of times when somebody was about to transition from this life to eternity. Let's say that you're an hour away from death and you still have your right mind. Are you going to be thinking about all of the things that you did to earn God's favor? And if you're wise, you'll say, absolutely not. No, what I'm going to do in that moment is rely solely and entirely upon the work of Jesus Christ and his work alone, not my own. That's how, the, everybody, I, I was, I, and I don't mean to put a downer on the day, but, you know, before my father passed away, I had this, some very, very special moments with my father, and he was very much awake, and he, he knew what was happening. And, and there was one time in the hospital room, he was laying in, in the bed, and his, his, his head was kind of propped up, you know, the bed was kind of tilted up, so he wasn't laying flat. But he didn't really have the strength to truly lift his arms or at least hold them very, for very long. And, and I remember sitting on the couch and, and, and my dad was laying in the hospital bed, just about to transition into heaven. And his hands were, were up to the best of his ability. His elbows were, were beside him, lay, you know, against the bed, but his hands were up and he was just worshiping Jesus. And I thought, that's so beautiful. Because in that moment, he's, he's not thinking about all the things that he did. He's thinking about what Jesus did for him. And he's been saved by grace through faith. In Christ alone, everybody. So I'm telling you, in your last breath, if you're solely depending upon the work of Christ, why would you not solely depend upon the work of Christ today? Solely, I mean, entirely depend upon the work of Christ. In fact, I want you to, I want you to write this down, everybody. That focusing on my obedience glorifies me. Focusing on my obedience glorifies me, but focusing on Jesus' obedience actually glorifies Jesus. Well, our lives are meant to glorify Jesus, not us. 
So when I focus on my obedience, I'm glorifying me. When I focus on Jesus, I'm glorifying the very son of God, the true son of God, the one who truly takes away the sins of the world. Okay, so Philippians 2, 8 says it this way, and being found in appearance as a man, he, meaning Jesus, humbled himself by becoming obedient. Jesus was obedient to death, even death on a cross. So let me ask you this. Are you focusing your life on your obedience to God? Or are you focusing your life on the one who was obedient even to death on the cross, who purchased your salvation for you. He paid the price so that you wouldn't have to pay it. Where's your focus? If you say, well, I, I've got to do this, and I've got to do this, and I've got to do this to earn God's favor, actually what you're doing, you think you're being, you think you're being drawn into God's favor, but actually you're pushing yourself away from it. The Bible says you're falling away from grace. And you say, well, that's, foolishness to do that exactly and that's why we're trying to be foolish no more foolish no more wholly entirely reliant upon jesus christ and his work alone i know we've been talking about that but that's the foundation of galatians 5 because we have to read that before we get to verse 5 and it goes like this but we who live by the spirit eagerly wait to receive the faith to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. He's saying, okay, so what is no benefit of you for you to do is try to obey in order to earn God's favor. That is not beneficial to you. But what is important is faith in Christ and in Christ alone expressing itself in love. Oh, okay. This is so significant because the, out of all of the verses in the Bible, and, I, and I, I'm, just, I'm just going by memory, I could be, I mean, if you want to email me and set me straight, you can, but I'm not going to read it, um, just FYI. But I do know that there are 66 books in the Bible. I believe that there's around 1,100 chapters in the Bible and well over 30,000 verses in the Bible. And they all point to a statement just like this. The most important thing is your faith in Christ expressing itself in love. Your faith expressing itself in love. If you can take all of the words of the Bible and boil it down to one point, it would be faith expressing itself in love. And you say, well, really? Is that all? Well, Jesus himself was asked a question. What are the greatest commands? Tell me the greatest command in the Bible. And Jesus said himself to love God first and most, to have to have your faith in God and not in you, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. Faith expressing itself in love. I'm gonna love God. I'm thankful for the gift of his son, and I love him for it, and now I'm gonna love others. So let me ask you a question. Are you living a life of love? Where's your heart? Where's your heart? What is your heart focused on? 
And if you say, boy, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm really getting this right. I don't know. If I ask you, are you loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength? And are you loving your neighbor as yourself? All of a sudden, we want to measure that somehow. Well, how do I know that I'm doing that? How do I know that I'm really loving God most? How do I know that I'm loving others? How do I know that I'm living a life of faith, expressing itself in love? And I, I want to give you something that the Lord just gave me. And write this down, that my heart is defined by its longings. My heart is defined by its longings. You show me what you long for, and I'll show you what you love the most. You show me what you long for, and I'll show you what you love the most. So there's a lot of people, the deepest desires of their heart, they long for success. They long for fame. They long for money, for fortune. Can I tell you? They long for it because it's in their heart. Your heart is defined by its longings. So if you think about success far more than you think about God, if you think about money far more than you think about God and about Christ and about the kingdom of God, if you think about uh, uh, your life and, and all the toys that you want to have or all the, the, like the house you want to live in or all the cars you want to own, if you're just constantly thinking about stuff, can I tell you that there's something inside of your heart that needs to be fixed, that needs to be changed? because the deepest longings of our hearts should be upon Christ and upon loving him and loving others. And I know that this is not one of those sermons where, where you're thinking, wow, goosebumps, so wonderful, because this is challenging, right? How many know that I'm not, I'm not charged by God to coddle you, I'm, I'm charged by God to teach you his word, Right? And his word says that there has to be this desire inside, this longing in you to love him first and most, and then to love others. So I'm gonna ask you a question, and this is where the lines come into play at the bottom of your, at the bottom of your sermon notes. If, if, if you were being really honest, and I want you to be, what have you been longing for what have you truly been longing for? What have you, what have, what has your mind and your eyes been set on? And is it God? And is it Jesus, our Savior? And is it living your life to be a blessing to others, to care and to love others? Or is it something else? Is there something in your life that you have been longing for and it's been, it's been, uh, trumping every other thought in your mind? Is there something else? And I want you to write it down. You know what? I, I've been too focused on fill in the blanks. I've been too focused on money. I've been too focused on this promotion. I've been too focused on becoming famous. In fact, can I tell you something? There is, there is something very, very unique about, about um, uh, what's happening in the church world today, especially with technology, so, so let me tell you this tension that, that I have. And I was a, a music pastor for a long time, for almost a decade. I, I was a worship leader, a music pastor, and, and uh, a worship pastor. And um, 
And I had a lot, of, a lot of people over the course of now almost 30 years of full-time ministry, I had so many people come up to me and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to record this. I'm going to put this album out there. I'm going to try to get signed with so-and-so, and we're going to go do a concert here. And I look at them, I say, why? Tell me why. Uh, I don't know. Because the why is important. Isn't it interesting that people long to go to a concert of their favorite worship leader and they're missing the whole point that it's not about the worship leader, it's about the one we worship. Come on, everybody. It was so, it, it was, uh, and, and I know, I know, they're, they're, it's pretty neat to meet. I, I've met some people that, that if, if I told you, you'd say, whoa, really, you've met them? You got to say, I have. I've met, I've met a lot of people who are very, very well-known and uh, that should not impress you much because it doesn't impress me much. Why? They're just people. They're just people. I never go up and ask for an autograph. Why? It's just a person. What, why do, boy, I could go off on that. I, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't. What are you longing for? A lot of people, I, I'm convinced that a lot of people that want to be famous in, in in the worship world, they want to put out albums, they want to go travel and do concerts, that they, they want to be famous not to make Jesus famous, but to make themselves famous. And I struggle with that. I really struggle with that. What's the longing of their heart? And that's between them and God, I don't know. I, I just know the temptation for fame and fortune What's the longing of your heart? Is it to make God famous? Or is it to make you famous? Is it to be a blessing to others? Or is, or is it that you could be blessed? What's the longing of your heart? And maybe there's some repentance that needs to take place today. Can I, can I tell you this in, in different words? Then, if, if the most important thing is faith expressing itself through love, then write this down, that faith is the starting point, but love is the target. Faith is the starting point, but love is the target. It's faith. The most important thing is faith expressing itself in love. Faith is the starting point. Love is the target. But what is love? I'm going to go back to Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in, in, in love. The most important thing is faith expressing itself in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. What would this world look like? What would this world look like if every single person in this world just lived for the benefit of someone else? What would this world look like if we really truly loved our neighbor as we loved ourselves? If we cared for them and served them and lived to be a blessing to them? What would this world look like if we got our eyes off of ourselves and put our eyes on our community, put our eyes on our nation, put our eyes on our world? What would it look like if this world, 
Every single person in it lived to serve someone else. I would tell you this, that every single need throughout the entirety of this world would be met. Every single one. The problem is that's not happening in our world. People are not living this life of faith and the life of love like we're called to. And it's so simple. It's so simple. What would it be like if an entire church, let's just say, new song, if we would live our lives strictly to be a benefit, a blessing to someone else? What if we truly loved our neighbors as we loved ourselves? What would it look like? I love what John Piper says, and I have this in your notes. It won't be on the screen for you, but he asks this question, what is love? And he gives this answer. He says, we love other people when we stop using them as a means to supply our deficiencies and instead rejoice in the divine enablement to supply their deficiencies. He's saying, what is love? Real love is when you get your eyes off of yourself and you put it on someone else. That's what real love looks like. Love, I've taught you this before in the past, I've been saying it for years, that love always lives for the benefit of someone else, always. If you are only living for your benefit, that's not called love, that's called selfishness. And we know it's wrong because we teach two-year-olds not to do it. We know it's wrong. Don't, don't, don't do that, you need to share, Johnny. Right? I mean, we teach two-year-olds to do it because we know it's wrong. And yet, what do we struggle with for the course of our lives? The same thing. I don't want to. I don't want to share. But I want that. But I've always wanted that. These longings that we have. Are you, are you living to fulfill your selfish desires? Or are you living to be a blessing to someone else? And by the way, love, if love is always living for the benefit of someone else, then love cannot be an emotion. Love is a choice. It's always a choice. Do you know how many times I serve people and my emotions are not attached to it? Like, I serve people, and it's not like I have all these goosebumps that hit me, and, oh, this is so fun. I don't giggle when I do it, because love is not an emotion. Love is a choice. Let me go even further, everybody, because I'm sure nobody else is like me. I'm sure I'm the only one that struggles with this. But sometimes when I'm loving and serving and caring some, for somebody, I don't actually want to do it. Anybody else like me? Oh, okay. Oh, wow, I'm not alone. I, I thought I was. I didn't know. Because love is not an emotion, love is a choice. So, so he doesn't say the most important thing is faith expressing itself through love when you feel like it. No, it's just faith expressing itself in love, period. Well, well pastor, I, I don't really feel like it. Well, sometimes I don't either. But I just do it anyway. Why? Because love is not an emotion. Love is a choice. And if you're waiting for the emotion to accompany acts of service, sometimes it doesn't on the front end, but it feels wonderful on the other side. When you walk away and say, wow, I made a difference. I've never served somebody. I don't ever remember having served somebody and walked away and said, boy, that was the worst thing I ever did in my whole life. 
I have walked away hundreds and hundreds of times serving somebody. That's the way to live life, to serve somebody else. Am I helping you, everybody? Okay, so love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. That is not the heart of God. If you're always complaining, if you're always verbally tearing people up, if you're letting your words get away from you, your, your, your thoughts get away from you, can I tell you, it's not from God. It's not from God. Jesus said in John 13, 34, so now I'm giving you a new commandment, Jesus says. Love each other, just love each other. Just as I've loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. My, my wife and I, we've been, we've been talking about this all the time. We talk about this all the time. We always say it this, this way, that we're always pastoring no matter where we go, that we're gonna love people wherever we go, that everywhere we go, we're gonna treat every single person as if they're, they're part of, my, uh, of our family, our church family. So, so just a few weeks ago, my, my wife and I were having dinner together. It was a date night, and it was here in town, but we're having kind of this date night. And we, we, had, we were just sitting there talking to each other. We, just, we were just talking. And this server comes up to us, this waitress comes up to us, and she says something to the effect of, you know, there's just something about you guys that I love. Well, she didn't know us from Adam. She didn't know us from the man in the moon. And, and there's just something about you guys that I love. And I'm thinking, first of all, you're going to get a really big tip today. You know, it's <laughs> going to get a really big tip. And second of all, um, I said, you know what it is? I said, it, it's just Jesus. It's just Jesus. Well, the look, like, oh, I didn't know it was going to go there. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's going to go there because I live my life to point people to Jesus. I just, I just live my life to point. And I, and I try not to make it awkward. It's not like I... You know what I'm saying? Like, I just smiled and said, it's just, it's just Jesus. Well, I'm not going to take glory. I'm not going to take credit for something that God has done in me. I'm just going to point it to Jesus. And can I tell you something on the way out? It's kind of, when I said that to her, it kind of, you know, took her back. It kind of startled her a little bit. Like, I didn't know you were going to say that. And on the way out, though, she said, I can't wait to have you guys back again. And I said, oh, we'll be back. And, I, and the reason I'm thinking, I'm not coming back for the food I'm coming back to share Jesus with you again. I'm not coming back for the food. The food was fine. The food was fine. No, I'm coming back because you're valuable to God and obviously you don't know him yet. And so I'm gonna come back. And I have projects, what I call projects, all over this town that I just live to serve and live to love and live to care for them. Can I tell you something? Sometimes I'm not always in the mood. <laughs> Sometimes I'm not. And yet I've realized that love is not an emotion, love is a choice. And so I'm gonna do it anyway. And I've never walked away saying, oh, I totally regret loving those people. I've never, in fact, it's exact, after, when I just step up and do it anyway, it just recharges me, it re-energizes me. Because I, I just love ministering in the name of Jesus for his glory and his glory alone. And I want you to live that type of life because there's joy attached to it. In fact, I've told you this, that you'll never know what true love, you'll never know what true joy is until you learn to serve someone else in love. You'll never know what true joy really is until you learn to serve someone else. If you're not serving somewhere, you need to be. 
It's good for you. By the way, can I even go further? If you have children, it's good for you and your children to serve somewhere. They need to know what it is to serve somebody and the joy of serving others. Even as our children were growing up, we used to take them to nursing homes here in town, not associated with anything that New Song was doing, just on our own. We would take them to nursing homes and just give away Christmas gifts, little pieces, like little chapsticks, and sometimes some thermal blankets, you know, those fleece blankets that you buy for like five bucks. We would just go around and we just taught our kids how to serve and how to honor those who are elderly, and we, we just trained our children in that. Why? Because we wanted, the, we wanted them to know the joy of serving. And, and as we, they start, oh, Dad, this is so awkward. Dad, what do I do if he hugs me? What do I do if she hugs me? I said, well, you're going to hug him back. And so they said, well, what, what do I do if they try to kiss me? I said, well, don't let them do that. You don't have to. That's a little bit too far. You know what I'm saying? Like, so... But as we left, they would have all these stories. Oh, I love so-and-so. Wasn't she just the cutest thing? Like, I just love so-and-so. And they'd have these stories because it was hard for them to do it first. But after they did it, they received the joy of what it was to serve someone else. You see that, everybody? You see it? Love always lives for the benefit of someone else. So the way to, to, to fight the way to fight selfishness is through service. It's through serving someone else. Get your eyes off of yourself and put it on someone else. Pastor Stephanie should be, she, she, she should have a lot of phone calls this week from, from people right here, right now, who's saying, you know what, I just need a place to serve. I'm not doing that. And our dream team should just, just, just blow up because of all of you saying, you know what, I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to serve. Because if you don't know where to get plugged in and serve, I'm telling you, we have options. But can I go a little bit further that the service that you offer might just be to your neighbor by cutting their grass for them. Or by, or by cleaning up. We, we have neighbors that, one fa in fact, just a few weeks ago, a neighbor, a dog must have, have tipped over their trash can and trash was just everywhere. And it was the only trash can in the neighborhood that was, so it had to be some animal, I would think. And, and I just said, you know what? I'm gonna go out there and pick up their trash for them. Not the joy of my life. There was no, I promise you, I did not have one goosebump from it. Not one. But I did it anyway, because that, that's what love does. Love is not an emotion, it's a choice. It lives for the benefit of someone else. We say, Pastor, I'm, I'm hurting too much though. I have a lot of things going on in my life right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna address that. One of the best ways to forget about your pain is to focus on someone else's. And you'll realize that what you're going through isn't as big as you think it is. One of the best ways to forget about your pain is to focus on someone else's, to serve someone else. What's the most important thing? Faith in Christ and in Christ alone. Not in your own obedience, your own works, solely, completely in Jesus. And then express that faith through love, which isn't an emotion. It's a choice. In fact, 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love is patient. How many knows? If love is patient, <laughs> that's not an emotion. That's a choice. Love is kind. I've been kind to a lot of people that I wanted to punch in the face. Have you? So, so kindness is not an emotion, it's a choice. Are you with me? 
Are you, are you hearing me? It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Love isn't an emotion, love is a choice. All of those things that I just read, the very definition of love, those are not emotions, those are choices that you make. I'm gonna stay humble. I'm gonna be kind, I'm gonna be generous, I'm gonna serve, I'm gonna care for somebody else. I'm not gonna put the focus on me, I'm gonna put the focus on someone else. I'm not going to live my life to bless myself, I'm going to live a life to bless others. And when you live that life, I promise you, God has a way of blessing you. He just does, he'll bring it back to you. My wife and I, we, lived a, we live a blessed life. What's so interesting is that we never live to bless ourselves. We just live our lives to be a blessing to others. And God just pours out his blessings on us, to which I'm forever grateful. Stand up with me. Would you do that today? I'm so proud of you. This was one of those messages that, again, it's challenging. It is challenging because we all fail in this area. Like, there's nobody in this room that is that is that hasn't or maybe even isn't failing in this area to some extent. Because it's so easy to get our eyes on us, isn't it? But the most important thing is faith expressing itself in love. And love always lives for the benefit of someone else. Always, always. So Father, forgive us for the times that we have focused on ourselves in fact, Lord, there's some people in this room that made a note on their sermon notes. And they admitted to longing for something that should not be the priority in their life. Lord, there's been some things in my life that I've longed for that not meant to be the priority in my life, that's for sure. And I got things out of order. And today, Father, we all come before you in humility and in repentance. Lord, forgive us for that. And, and Lord, by your grace and by your spirit, set our hearts straight so that we would live a life of faith expressing itself in love. That every single thing that we do, every single thing that we say, every place that we go, the driving force behind all of those things would be love. It would not be selfishness, vanity, pride. The Lord, the driving force of our life would not be greed, would not be lust, that the driving force of our life would be love. And if we live lives of love, then we live lives that are well-lived for the glory of your name. And I thank you for helping us with that. Thank you, Lord, for helping us. If you want to live a life of love today, I want to ask you to do something with nobody moving around. If you really do want to live just a life of love, you've heard the word of the Lord and you want to respond to it, could you just lift up your hand? to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm choosing a life of love. Forgive me for the times that I've gotten it wrong. 
But from this day forward, I'm asking you to help me to get it right. I want to live a life of faith expressing itself in love. Help me, Lord, to make a difference in the world. Help me to live for the glory of your name. Now, Lord, with hands raised, I speak a blessing over my new song family. Oh, that you would bless us indeed. That you would enlarge our territory. That our living lives of love would make a difference in this community, in this county, and in north central Indiana. That your hand would be with us and that you'd keep us from all harm. And I speak that in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you receive the word of the Lord today? Yes or no? Love you so much. I want to tell you, first of all, two, two things. If you need a place to serve, see Pastor Stephanie today. Say, you know what? I need a place to serve. I want to make a difference. See her. And there's no pressure. We're not, there's just no pressure. This is up to you. It's just an application. And the second thing is, if you say, you know what? I just don't know where I could serve. I don't know what I'm called to do. I have a small group that's coming up in the beginning of September called Live Your Dream. You need to sign up for that. Go to our website, sign up for that. And I'll teach you how to discover your purpose, how to discover your God-given personality and your leadership traits. And then, and I'll help you connect with something that, that, that actually energizes you. It doesn't suck the life out of you. It actually puts life in you because you love to do it so much. So, so this moment right here for me, everybody, this is an energizing moment for me. Like what most of you would dread speaking to, to an audience, you're like, oh, I could never do that. This is so energizing to me because God created me like this, right? He, he put a call upon my life. He put a call upon your life. And, and I'm going to help you find that one thing that just energizes you that's going to be a blessing to somebody else. So sign up for my Live Your Dream class. It's coming up in September and hold those dates. And I, I'd be glad to help you pursue your purpose in life. I love you all so very, very much. Have a great day. God bless you, new song. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life. And we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org contact. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones who God is using to make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Thank you for watching. We hope you tune in next week.